You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. This is Joe Swanson from Sullen Radio. Quadrant tattoo needles are being recommended by some of today's leading tattoo artists. Accomplished artists and guests of the show like Bob Tyrell and Rich Pineda are using Quadrant needles daily. Try some of the best tattoo needles ever made for yourself. Use the promo code PODCAST10 at shopquadrant.com and receive 10% off your order. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST10 at shopquadrant.com and get 10% off when ordering some of the best tattoo needles on the market. If you're a shop owner, you know how important it is to have a reliable place to order your tattoo shop supplies. Since 1996, Kingpin Tattoo Supply has worked to provide the tattoo professional the highest quality supplies at the best possible price. If you need a reliable supply company, check out Kingpin Tattoo Supply at www.kingpintattoosupply.com. When you make an order, be sure to let them know you heard Kingpin mentioned on Sullen Radio. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Here it goes. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. I would like to welcome my guest, tattooer James Strickland, to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. So uh, I've seen on Instagram this truck, this Toyota that you uh, have been posting pictures of. You say you're driving this shit daily. This is, uh, tell me about this truck because it looks mean. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it was a project I started at the beginning of the year, and it's a uh, pre-runner so it's all long travel i gotta jump it and run over cool shit you know so it's it's a lot of fun it's a what uh, toyota it's a toyota uh, yeah it's a tacoma yeah what are the what are the specs on it what did you have done to it that uh that specifically makes it so you're not gonna break this shit (laughs) driving it in the desert we we don't know if i'm not gonna break it yet we're trying it out so I just kind of, I just trusted the fabricator and uh, his name is uh, Johnny Branch out of Minifee and he did a fucking great job on it. And uh, the guy who did the back was Ryan Cook. He's out of somewhere in California and yeah, they, they've been working on it for eight months and they fucking did all custom A-arms and dog, I, shit I don't even know about, you know? Right. So, but they did a great job on it and it's, I've taken it off road a few times and it just fucking kicks ass, so. Yeah, you're in Pretty- Vegas. You're in Vegas now. You said you take the, uh, the back roads to... Um- to work yeah yeah i'll take i'll just kind of just drive along going to work and i'll find a trail and just hit it and just hopefully it goes in the right direction sometimes i get a little lost and takes me a while to get to work but it's it's a lot of fun you know yeah how's that transition been to vegas from from socal oh so far well because we moved into fall so it's been great if i moved into summer i would have been fucking hating it i'm sure but um, but Daniel, the guy who owns Seven Tattoo, they've uh, they made it, the transition really easy, and they've taken really good care of me, and it's it's been pretty it's been pretty nice so far. Yeah, you're working at a at a shop. Um, you were at a private studio in in SoCal, right? So now are you in a different type of environment at this point, working in a shop? Yeah, yeah, I was I was actually at a shop since I was out of high school, and. Um, the last shop I was working at before I went, um, kind of went solo was Ink Factuation. And it was, uh, I was there for about seven years. Mm-hmm. 
and I learned a lot from the owner, uh, Manuel Valenzuela. He was kind of like a mentor to me, and uh, and then I just decided to just go on my own and try it out. So I went in the private studio, and then that that shit honestly got kind of lonely, man. It was boring as fuck. It was just uh, no one to talk to, you know. And now it's it's kind of nice being back in a shop with cool people and get a bullshit and learn some things, you know. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. You know what that transition was like from going from a a shop environment to a private studio. Um, I would imagine that you have to try to get yourself out and about a little bit conventions and make some shop visits to, to keep that going because oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. get solitary. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I did too. I did. I, I did a lot of guest spots when I, when I went on my own. So I kind of jumped around and just met other artists and learned a lot. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, it was, it was cool. It was definitely a lot of work though. Just trying to like work, like you always, you're always on the go. Your shit was always packed, you know, and you tattooed in some uncomfortable areas and stuff, but it was, it was well worth it, you know? Definitely. It's, so. but it's nice for you. Do you enjoy being in that shop environment more than? Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to be back. It's a lot more relaxing. You know, I just show up to work and my stuff's all set up and they have everything you need. I'm not scrambling around looking for crap that I forgot or something, you know? So it's, it's been pretty nice. Yeah. How did you start tattooing? How'd you get into it? Uh, oh man, I actually, uh, what was, I, I was about 15 years old. Um, I was, uh, in high school and I, my friend's uncle did tattoos and I wanted to get one. And I remember going to his, uh, his, uncle's house and looking at all his drawings and they're all like skulls with tribal because that was cool back then you know right. and i thought it was the coolest shit in the world so i was like man i could draw this stuff and i just was like fuck i what i should be a tattoo artist so i just started chipping away at it started making homemade machines and fucking up my friends and myself and you know what, and what year are we started, talking about what year did this you start? was about 2002 okay so yeah, it was, yeah, it was, is that right? Yeah. About 2000, about 2002. Yeah. I was like, a, I think I was a sophomore and I started mm-hmm. fucking around with tattoo machines and, uh, then I just kind of was off and on with it. Cause it was just, it was kind of discouraging. Cause you know, you had these machines and you'd try and do some art with them and like tattoo with them and it would fall out or get infected. And it was just like discouraging cause it wasn't, wasn't going together the way you wanted it to. And, um, so I was kind of off and on with it in high school, and then when I turned 18, I got an apprenticeship at a at a swap meet. This is on all in Pico Rivera where I grew up, and um, it was an indoor swap meet. This guy Richard Martinez, he took me in, and he kind of got me started. And he's a he's a great artist himself, man. He's a super fucking cool guy, and he just kind of taught me the basics. And then from there, I just just kept chipping away at it, you know. Yeah. What was it like those first? Talk me through a couple of those first tattoos with, were you getting your information from the internet or was it, where did you first start building those machines from? Oh no, I didn't have internet. We, um, we didn't have a computer. It was, um, it was just talking to people like some of the guys in in the neighborhood that were out Mm -hmm. of prison and stuff like that. They just kind of, they'll tell you little bits and it was all horrible fucking information, you know, like, yeah, you know, wipe it down with green alcohol and do this and make ink out of your fucking shoe. And (laughs) it was just like really bad information to give a kid, you know, it was just, it didn't, uh, it wasn't working out too good. But, um, as soon as I got in a shop and then I, uh, I kind of started seeing them, how they, how they worked. It was, it made it a hell of a lot easier, you know? 
opens up that once you see that process, it's a it's quite a bit makes it quite a bit easier. And I would imagine that all of a sudden you were jumping up in the quality of of equipment that you were using. Oh yeah, well I mean my first real machine was a um, was out of the Superior mm-hmm. Tattoo Catalog, which I think a lot of people started with, you know. So I went and worked a regular job at it was at Borders at the time. I think it was like, kind of like Barnes and Noble. And I worked there for like a month, made 300 bucks, then quit and then bought a tattoo kit. And then just, that was my real first real machine, but it was still like a piece of shit. Like it spit ink everywhere and <laughs> it fucking ran like crap and the ink was garbage, but it, it was the best shit in the world at the time, you know? Oh, so sure. It was, uh, yeah. It's all you had. So it was, you know, absolutely going to be the best, you know, it's, it's what you were able to access, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What it, was, do- it was pretty what are you using now? What's your, what's your basic setup for the day? Oh man. I'm, uh, right now I just, I have a Bishop rotary with the, um, the needle cartridges and that's all I'm tattooing with. And it's, I've been using that for about, about a little over two years now. And it's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a pretty solid setup. I've been happy with it. So was it, a, was it any kind of transition or, or I've not worked with cartridges. So, um, what, how was that transition going over to cartridges? Is it? It seems like a pretty easy and nice setup where it's just easy to change your shit and and go. Yeah, it's 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 fuck. It's a lot. It's a lot simpler. It's a lot quicker. It's um. It was definitely like a, it took a little bit to get used to. I don't think it's for everyone. Like I I tried it out on a few tattoos and I wasn't sure if I was gonna like it or not. Mm-hmm. So and then I started seeing things come back healed and. I noticed things were healing a lot better with them. I think it's just the way they puncture the skin. Mm-hmm. They're not like at a weird bend or they're not getting like a kind of like a little fucking hook penetration or like kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Just do it with my hand. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I just, I just started noticing I was, I started tattooing better with them. So I just kept using them and mm-hmm. I kind of stuck on them. Yeah. Yeah. Consistency, man. I, I think like for me, uh, you know, as a tattooer, it's, you need to try to eliminate those variables, you know, in the whole process. And the more you can eliminate the variables and keep things consistent, the better the work is going to be. You know, I've found that over, over time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Cause yeah, it's, um, there's, there's a lot, I've eliminated so much from tattooing that I used to do that I won't do anymore. Cause it's just a, it's just a waste of time and it's, it makes it more complicated than it needs to be. You know, like mm-hmm. I used to have my black and gray used to have like a, t- 10 or 12 caps set up with all these different in between shades of grays. And, and now I'm at four caps all the time for every tattoo. It's just, it's like you get, it just make it simple and it, it ends up being a lot more effective. And another thing with like machines, like everyone's like, did you try this machine? Did you try that machine? It's like there's a machine out every two fucking weeks. And then you want to try every machine and then they're different. Then you keep changing your styles to accommodate for the machine. And then just, you go too much back and forth, and I don't feel like you really progress too much if you mm-hmm. keep changing your setups all the time and making shit too complicated, you know? Yeah, well, there's yeah, absolutely. I think there's a balance there, too, with being able to be open to bringing things into that process, but also, like you said, not overwhelming yourself with it so that your work diminishes or that, you know, the the learning curve is there. So it's a balance, I absolutely. think, for sure. Yeah, for sure. How did you end up moving towards the black and gray stuff? Um, was there a time that you did 
I, I've seen some color stuff on your on your website. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, was there a time oh, that you did a lot more color, and how did that transition happen to the black and gray? Was it your idea, or kind of the clients started coming to you with that? You know what? Um, I don't know how the hell it ended up doing that. You know, I, I, I used to do everything. I used to do Japanese. I used to do Flash, and I used to try and be the most versatile artist I can be. And then I really was fascinated by portraits, and then I started like attempting portraits. And then I started just like that kind of started. I think that realistic black and gray kind of started with me trying portraits. Then I kind of got more into it, and then I saw some of the big time artists that were doing awesome black and gray. And it just I, I felt like it held together over time a lot better. And it just it just had a really rich look to it, and I just really I really enjoyed black and gray. I mean, I like doing color too, but it's I'm a little more picky with my color pieces I do because, like, I gotta I gotta feel like that the colors that are in that piece are gonna hold up over time because there's there's some things I just don't think look that great in color, and there's some things I think that look better in color, you know. So I I don't know I just I don't know how it all ended up always being black and gray all the time just. That's what people started coming to me for, and I just kept it like that, I guess. Yeah. Who who are the guys that uh, inspire you? And when you look at black and gray or, or even just tattooing, um, as you were making that transition or your clients were beginning to come to you for bigger projects, were there guys that, that really just blew your mind or still blow your mind? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll start with, with during the transition period was uh, – I think I was 19, and it was actually Manuel Valenzuela, the guy I told you who uh, was a, kind of like a mentor to me. I remember seeing his work, and that shit just – I didn't even know you could tattoo like that. That would have tripped me out, you know. So that he was a big inspiration for Black and Gray. And Bob Tyrell, I used to um, see his magazine, and I'd sit there, and I'd fucking try and redraw his tattoos, and he was just he – was, he was awesome, you know. So those were two really big Black and Gray influences from uh, – from that transition period and then today i gotta say some of my favorite black and gray artists is definitely josh duffy uh carlos torres and victor portugal i think are my top three favorites right now off the top of my head yeah but they're because they just i don't know how they i don't even know how they get better they keep getting better and just blowing my fucking mind you know it's crazy josh duffy's work is insane i mean i've i've I love looking at it on the internet. I love look, I've seen it in some a lot of it in person as well and man, dude, I just some of those pieces yeah. like that piece he did where it was um the four, I think it was like the four horsemen type of thing on the on the belly of of skeletons oh, yeah. and there was like biomechanical stuff coming down and this like geometric like shape. I mean, it was just like, wow, man, fucking dope. And I, I, and I think he's doing all that sober he's not on psychedelics or nothing it's just off the top of the head you know wow and it's crazy yeah fucking badass sure he's actually working on my arm i'll see if i can get you a, hold on where's a take a set this down i'll show you he's actually working on it we gotta we gotta finish it up but he's doing like this outside piece on my arm right here wow like beautiful art and the fucking paint brushes and all that shit so yeah we got to get that finished up hopefully beginning of next year or something that'd be kind of cool so yeah yeah absolutely man how did, how did you uh how did you decide to do that um the heart and the and the paintbrushes where did that idea come from oh um, yeah well my original idea was doing almost like a uh i was talking with him i was like you know i want to do like a sacred heart but art themed you know with like paintbrushes and pencils sticking through it and like 
like kind of like a kind of like off the like old religious stuff you know but kind of make it art themed and then um he was talking about putting it in a rib cage and putting like a skeleton head and i was like yeah that's cool let's do it you know so it just it worked out yeah he's mixed definitely love how he mixes his style the black and gray and really that that portrait stuff and the biomechanical stuff as well and and i think a lot of guys are doing that now where where they're blending they're blending styles and they're and they're mixing things up and i think you know mike drees talked about it he said that that's the future and he he talked about it year a handful of years ago that guys are going to take that realistic style and they're going to blend in all these other styles with it and you see that going on on the internet today like crazy oh yeah big time I, i trip out on the um the realistic with the traditional mix, dude. That's so fucking kind of like, um, oh my, I'm trying to think. Of, you know, like, like kind of like Hartman kind of pulls on it. Justin Hartman, he's kind of almost got like a realistic shading in faces with hard outlines and just, just fucking awesome pieces, man. I, lo- I love the, the the combination that people mm-hmm. throw together. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, has uh, has coming up um, with the with the internet. Is it help you or does it overwhelm you? Oh, it definitely helps. It's, it makes, makes things a thousand times easier. You know, I used to, we used to have stacks of magazines and books and flash and shit. And we had to go through to look for reference. Now you just type it in. And it's, it's all there in front of you, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's a push though to get a little bit, I mean, at, at least at the very top level of artists like yourself, there's a push to get away from the stock references and start doing a lot more of, um, your own photographing and, and things like that. Have you started to develop that into your work? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been, um, working on, uh, shooting my own reference and I, I cause, cause you'll, you'll see, even if you're on the internet and you're digging deep, you're going to end up seeing what you picked out tattooed a thousand fucking times. I've even seen it on like pieces I've done, you know, I was like, Oh, this girl looks cool. And then I tattoo it. And then I'm like, Holy shit. I've seen this stuff. So you start seeing it pop up everywhere. Everyone tattooed it, you know? So it's shooting your own reference is definitely uh, the way to go. If you, if you can get away with doing it, you know? Yeah. Do you have a specific, uh, have you done any like photography classes or anything like that? Or has it just kind of been trial by error or. Well, it was all trial by error, which is if you get one of those big cameras is extremely frustrating because they have a thousand buttons on them. And I don't know what any of that shit means. And then I actually hooked up with a photographer, uh, Thomas Matthews, and he's teaching me how to shoot. And he's just, he's made it so much easier. And just, it's, now I love, now I love using the bigger cameras, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. And it's great. Yeah. yeah. What's, uh, what's been the, was there, was there a moment in your career, man, since 2002, where it was like maybe the biggest defining moment as far as a push into the style that you're doing now or, or a moment where you just remember back and it's like, okay, this shit's clicking or something's working um, that has moved you where where you're at now? Um, I'd say the biggest, like the one that sticks in my head right now mm-hmm. would be when I made the transition from, uh, from coils to rotaries mm-hmm. because I was always having issues with coils. Like they just... Like they'd run good one day, then they wouldn't the next. And it was just always fighting with them, you know? And then when I got a good rotary machine and I started using one of those, I just, it seems like all the pieces started falling in place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, man, equipment means so much these days, you know, and especially to 
produce the type of of work that you want to produce you know you don't see guys painting um you know these high level oil paintings with paintbrushes from you know hobby lobby and michaels you know they're getting they're getting the equipment that they need to do produce the level of work that they're doing and i think Absolutely. that goes with tattooing as well you know finding those tools and it speaks back to that process and eliminating things out of your process that maybe are hindering you or you know being open to like like we talked about earlier including some of that shit into your process yeah. so that can push it you know for sure for sure yeah all right talk, talk to me about this um we talked yesterday uh, uh when we were setting this up talk to me about the convention that you're going to go to up in oregon a little show with so many shows these days um artists are very i mean can be very picky about the shows that they do um oh, it was it's the one in humble county right yeah uh-huh well, yeah, it's, that's still in California. That's way up north. It's a, it's a small little show, and it's really it's it's a cool it's a really cool show. And they, the guy who throws it, his name's Ted. I'm forgetting his last name right now, but they really take good care of the artists up there, and they give you everything you need, and they're there to help out. And it's, it's a it's a fun show. It's just a pain in the ass getting up there because it's in the middle of nowhere, you know. So it's like you got to take like a real plane flight to San Diego, then you got to hop on a crop duster to this runway in the forest and then you got to get a rent a car, you know, it's a kind of a pain Shit. in the ass getting there, but it's a, it's a really cool little show and it has a lot of good, good artists and everyone there gets along really well. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. You were saying yeah. that, you know, they really, they really take care of the artists and some of the, you know, stuff you were mentioning. I wonder if I think it's going to happen where artists are going to start taking advantage of those shows that, do that that really take care of the artists and focus on the art and focus on um what's gonna push tattooing and all the the little shows that that are just you know those guys that are just in it for the money to try to capitalize on it i think that shit's gonna go away at, at a certain point um or at least the caliber high caliber of artists are going to be choosing you know the a, a, a better selection of shows Oh yeah, that's that's already happening. I mean, there's there. I'm not gonna say any names on shows, but there's certain shows that are thrown by companies that I won't work anymore because mm -hmm. it's not about the art. It's not about the artist. It's just they they try and make every dollar they can. There was one show I was at, and they were on top of them charging outrageous prices for the booths, and then adding all these fees when you got there, and not giving you group rates on hotels. They were charging us to get to get our trash picked up. Oh shit. Yeah, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I already gave you like $1,000. I ain't going to charge me to pick up my trash at the end of the day. You know, I mean, that was the last time I ever worked one of their shows. And I won't work on that one again. Mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah, there's, there's, those, those shows I think are going to start dying out a lot or they're just going to end up with um, a lot of, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to, I, I, artists that, I don't know, that people don't really want to get work done by, I guess, what I can say. So. Yeah, I think it's, um, well, there's, yeah, there's just a, a shit ton of shows that, that are like that now, you know, where it's, you have the, a mass general populace that doesn't know or isn't educated necessarily about the art of tattooing. Um, they've only seen what they've seen on YouTube and, and in the media and things like that. And they don't know that they can go probably within a matter of, you know, 30 miles of their house and find a high caliber artist 
And if they, you know, waited till two months from now, instead of going to this expo that's that's going on um, here, you can wait and see world-class work going on, you know, in the same area. So I think yeah. being picky and choosy and definitely uh, educating the folks, you know, that are attending these things in that, you know, and hopefully yeah, more... That, Hopefully more promoters yeah. are doing that. Yeah, I, I could. Yeah, that, that'd be great if they did. Because, I mean, they're like you're saying, there's so many good artists, like, just in everyone's town that no one knows about. And, I mean, all these people, they're on Instagram checking shit out. But I feel like Instagram, like, all those big like pages or all them big tattoo pages, like, they just recycle the same mm-hmm. 20, 30 artists over and over. And they don't really – I don't feel like they're really trying to dig in there and grab someone that no one knows about. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's badass in the middle of nowhere. Let's just throw his work out there so people can see it. You know, I don't feel like they're a lot of pages do that. Like, dig for those artists. You know, they just yeah. keep recycling the the same big well names, big names. You know. Yep. And uh, and that's I think that's a big part of people not knowing about what's in their town too. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talking about you know the same guys being being cycled and through and through on these on these pages you know it's one thing that i've seen that sullen is different in they're always kind of reaching out to new artists and they're you know looking for new talent and i I can appreciate that about about what they're doing um how did that connection how did your connection with them come about just kind of like what you're talking i was just some fucking nobody and they had a little contest this little loza called the uh the art driven contest a couple years ago where they just let anyone enter, you know, they're like, yeah, anyone just throw your artwork in there and you, the people can go on there and vote. But they, they said the ultimate decision was up to them who ends up winning it. And, um, man, they must've had like over 200 entries. like just some fucking awesome work, man. Like just crazy, like just amazing artists entered it. I, I got lucky. I ended up winning the, the contest which I don't think I should have. I thought there was better work than mine. What, but, what um, kind of piece did you draw for them? Oh, you know, it was just this girl wrapped in octopus tentacles. It was a painting I did, and um, I just entered it. and it, it, They ended up liking it a lot. And Yeah, they were like, yeah, you won the contest. And I was like, oh, shit. And I had, like, an anxiety attack. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, it, it was, and then they did, like, a, and then they did a whole art show, and you got to go and see all these pieces. And they picked a few other pieces from the contest, too, that they put in there. And it was just so fucking cool seeing all this artwork. And, like, it was just, it was amazing, you know. And then that's when I got to meet all them, like, Ryan and Jeremy and um, Bernadette and everyone. And they're just the coolest fucking people. And Tim, Tim as well. I forgot Tim. And they're, they're so cool, and they're always, just like, willing to talk to people and check out everyone's work. And they're just – that's a really humble um, company right there, and they've done a lot of good things for artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that uh, hopefully a push is going in, in that direction in a lot of the companies that are surrounding tattooing where it is family-based. You know, I mean, that's essentially what it is. They've created this um, – this family uh, and network of folks and it, and it is, it does seem genuine and it seems, um, you know, you talk to Jeremy and that dude makes you feel like you're the only person that he's, you know, that isn't, that's going on at that point that he's talking to you, you know, great guy. And, and, um, absolutely. I, I tell people, I tell people if someone doesn't like Jeremy, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> you know, like he's like the nicest fucking dude. If, yeah, if, if there's someone has a problem with them, they're fucking weird, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, he's a super cool guy. 
Definitely, but. man. Um, so I've seen a few uh, few pics on Instagram as well. Um, creeping on your page is some guns. You like shooting guns? Oh, I love guns, man. Yeah. Guns are great. Yeah, it's all, it's a, it's that's one of those. Uh, it's honestly, it's a privilege we get. We live in a country where we get to go do stuff like that because you go in other places and you people don't even never even seen a gun in their life, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I love I love shooting, man. It's a lot of fun and it's expensive as hell though <laughs> <laughs> right what's uh what's the last gun you got or the last one you had a blast shooting oh the last one i got was i got picked up one for my birthday a couple weeks ago i got a was a hk vp9 the new little handgun they got out that thing's fucking sweet man it's a it's a bad little pistol so but i, I, I don't know i don't like to tell too many people about what guns i got you know because i don't want to right 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 yeah <laughs> no that's that's fine i when i was uh the the ones that i've like that i've had over the years um when i was with uh the chp i they all they all run the smith and wesson 4006 it's a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol um okay i carried a secondary for a long time which was the smith and wesson Airlite uh 340 pd which was man that shit was so cool it's made out of scandium some weird or like like some it's super light man like five shot hammerless revolver that you can shoot thir- 357 rounds through it. That shit hurts yeah. your hand. It hurts your hand like a motherfucker to shoot it. Because it's so light. Because it's so light. So light. It just, light. It just boom. It hits hard. What, um, or you can shoot. It's made out of made out of scandium. It's like a like Wolverine bones or <laughs> some shit like, like that. Yeah. That? If you go on, I think they used to have it on their website. It's some shit that's you know ored over in Eastern Europe or something, and um, it's super duper light. I think totally, I think loaded with, because you can run 38 plus P rounds through it too, but I think yeah. loaded, it's maybe, God, I just read this the other day. It's like 12, 17 ounces maybe, something like that. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, super duper light. Nothing. Yeah. Damn, I, just, I gotta check one of those out, man. Yeah, they're Damn, super fun. Awesome. <laughs> so, but it's Sweet. it's definitely something like you gotta shoot 38 through it. You can't, I mean, you can carry it with, 357 but you can't train with it like that or or do anything because that thing kicked so hard man it, yeah it was sh- ridiculous sh- yeah It'd be hard to stay on target with 357 or something that light man that's yeah yeah that for sure rough yep but my my biggest accomplishment shooting i with a now i'm trying to think what it was it was a six six hour p229 i think which is the 40 caliber um okay semi-automatic uh, weapon that I, I used when I was with a PD. Um, okay. and my last day on the range, um, we had set up, they set up these hanging, uh, bowling pins and we were just taking, taking shots at these hanging targets, which were bowling pins. And so we're, you know, we're, we start at like 20 yards and then we get back 30 yards and we start going back 10 yards at a time and continuing to shoot. Right. Well, my buddy who was, um, was out there, Super good marksman. He's like, uh, there's two bowling pins hanging. He goes, watch this. I'm gonna. We're up at like 50 or 60 yards at this point. And he goes, what? He goes, watch this. I'm gonna cut the rope because it's hanging nah. by. Yep, motherfucker hit it on number two, and uh, two shots. He cut the rope. The bowling pin falls right. So everybody's like, what the fuck? That's crazy. So we go back to. Um, I think they shot him maybe at 70 and 80 yards, and then we went back to 100 yards. And there's one bowling pin left. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to hit this at 100 yards. And um, 
took me three shot three shots on the third shot i hit a bowl a hanging bowling pin with a 40 caliber pistol at 100 yards no fucking way that's was, fucking awesome yeah man. i that's still a- i still have the bowling pin right up there Nice. Yeah, yep. I was gonna say, that's one of the things like trying to do that twice is fucking really hard, man. That's no, man. I, I was like, I took that. I, I saw the little piece fly off of it. Everybody like clapped and cheered. And I was like, I'm done. I'm walking to get my bowling pin now. <laughs> <laughs> that's badass, man. I gotta, I gotta try that out, man. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to challenge you on that one. I'm going to try it a hundred yards. <laughs> okay. Hey, one of these days when I'm out in Vegas, man, we'll go out there. We'll, we'll, we'll go and shoot something absolutely we'll go try and find what's in Danbles area and see if he'll let us shoot with them <laughs> <laughs> right on man so what's uh what's what's been going on with um with art man for you uh i know you've been doing some oil painting continuing to do oil painting are you moving in any specific direction yeah well i mean from the move well from the move out here to vegas i've been kind of on a standstill for the past few months with painting because i just I was trying to set up an art room and then like getting going with tattoo and I just kind of taking up a lot of my time, but I'm trying to get back into it. And, um, I definitely, that's something I really want to try and excel at. I want to take some painting classes and stuff cause mostly self-taught with that stuff. And it kind of gets, it gets repetitive if you don't get new information, you know, and I don't feel like I've really progressed too much in it, but I, that's something I want to try and get better at in the near future for sure how important is painting and doing other art how important is that to your tattooing i think it's really really important because it isn't tattooing because tattooing was something that was a uh was like a like a hobby for me it was a lot of fun and then it turned into a job and every piece of art I do tattooing is for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing any, any like art for myself. So doing artwork and painting is really the only outlet you have to do a hundred percent what you want and have no one giving you any lip about it or none of that mm-hmm. shit, you know? Right. So it's really important. Is there a, is there a time that you can think back or when was the last time that um, you were challenged in a, in an art project or, um, specifically even a tattoo when you were challenged. Cause I know, I know at a certain point, um, you know, as we break down, like we talked about earlier, as we break down our process, being challenged in the, the production of this art gets minimized. Just like we said, we eliminate those variables. Um, but you still have those un- uh, unknown variables like the skin and things like that. When, when was the last time you were challenged by something like that? Um, honestly like all the fucking time you know if it isn't one thing it's another you know so um i'd say uh tattoo wise the last time i was a something was a pain in the ass hold on a second here having a hard time thinking i'm sorry i i i know that the the last time it was like that for me was i was working on a cover-up and this it was on the back of the back of the arm kind of where and this is a there were some stretch marks that I'm dealing with and and things like that and you go into this the skin and it's like a sponge you know it's like a it's like a mushy not <laughs> not a fun area to tattoo yeah. and and you just you sit back and you go god damn I've tattooed this area so many times I know how to stretch it. I I know my equipment's the same, and this shit is just fucked up, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's definitely some rough patches of skin out there, you know. I've 
I've been pretty, uh, I mean, you were kind of stuck because you were doing a cover-up. You know, you couldn't really move it. But I've, I've, been, I've had pretty good luck with customers where they've been listening to me lately, and I just tell them, I don't want to do that right there. And they're like, okay, let's do it over here. I'm like, yeah, you know. So, But uh, I've, I've definitely been in your shoes before on that one, man. That shit, it's fucking horrible. It sucks. And then it just blows out when you hit them stretch marks. And then it just, it's, yeah, it's rough. It is rough. It's really rough. What about this, uh, you know, the painting you told me you were doing a poster for a convention. You had to do this thing. You did this thing three fucking times, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, the poster artwork for the Hawaii Tattoo Show next year. And I'm on the third painting, yeah. <laughs> Just because I, I did, started one, didn't like it. Started another one, wasn't 100% liking it. So I was like, I'm going to change the whole thing up and just reshoot a new model and redo everything. And yeah, it just, it's a... That's about been going on for about a month and a half, two months on that now. How, how do you but deal? Gonna, how do you deal with that as as you're working into this project and it's not going the way you want it to go? What do um, you completely? What do you do at that point? I'd say the best thing to do is if you're going and you're not, if you're fighting yourself through it already at the beginning. You get to a point where it's like, okay, I can get through this, but if like you're just like struggling with like this ain't coming together, that's not coming together, I just fucking walk away from it, mm-hmm. and then I just oh yeah, I'll put set it on the ground and turn it towards the wall, and I won't stare at it anymore, you know, because if I keep walking and looking, at it, I'm like, oh, I can fix this. I keep trying, and I just keep wasting time on something I'm really not going to be happy with. So I've I try I try to get the point where I'm like happy. Though. Really fucking hard. It's really hard. So. Yeah, that's it can be it can be a challenge for any artist as they're embarking on a on a creative endeavor to hit be hit with roadblocks and not have the maybe not have been in that position before or you know, trying to figure out a way to move move past it when all you're trying to do is create and you're trying to get this out and you, like you said, it's there's roadblocks. So um Oh yeah. Well, it seems like you work through those roadblocks real good, James. I mean, it's your work. Your work is amazing. Um, I can't wait to see you know some more paintings from you in in 2015. Um, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time, uh, you know, before tattooing all day today to talk with me. Oh, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was it's it's cool talking with you and I learned a little bit listening to you too. It's cool, man. So I, I really appreciate it. Right on. Well, tell people where they can get a hold of you if if somebody wanted to reach out and get tattooed or buy a piece of artwork from you. What what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way to do it would be to um, just you can either go on my Instagram. It's just at James Strickland, all one word, and has all my contact info on there. Or you can come by the shop. It's Seven Tattoo Studio in Las Vegas. Or uh, yeah, that's that's the two best ways to get a hold of me for anything, you know. Great, man. Uh, if you want to give a little shout out to any of your sponsors or your shop, um, do that, man. I I love to promote uh, what you guys are right. into. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first thing I want to thank is the people that helped get me going, which was uh, Richard Martinez and uh, Manuel Valenzuela. They really got me, got me rolling, you know. And then uh, want to thank uh, Shop Seven Tattoo for, for taking me in and being being a great shop and. Uh, also got to thank my sponsors because they've they've been they've been cool as hell, man. It's uh, Soul and Clothing's been really great. Um, Fusion Inc. Bishop Rotary's awesome, and uh, Tattoo Afterlife, the Redemption Aftercare has just been the best stuff I've ever used. So they've all it's all really good products. I wouldn't talk about them if I didn't believe in them, you know. Great. 
Well, thank you, James, man. I appreciate it. Again, um, good luck with everything, and I'm sure we'll be uh, sitting down again sometime soon. Cool. All right, sounds good. Thank you to James for coming on the show. Thank you, as always, to the listeners and Sullen Clothing for the continued support. If you'd like to get involved with the show, click over to SullenRadio.com. And from the Question Everything page, you can submit your comments, guest questions, and suggestions for the show. Also in February, I'm going to be running a blog contest to give away a tattoo machine and some other nice prizes. So head over to SullenRadio.com, sign up for the Sullen Radio newsletter, and stay connected to the story. Thanks again for listening.